Today's reading is from the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verses 1 through to 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you, because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you, because you hold me in your heart. For all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defence and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I long for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you to determine what is best, so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced a harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this morning we begin a new uh, series on Philippians. Uh, who's, has anyone read some of Philippians in the last... Yeah, it's good to see some hands. I'm glad that you've uh, read some of Philippians because hopefully it helps you, giving you some context uh, and helping you to uh, reflect on some of the words. And I'm praying that as uh, you hear me speak from Philippians this morning that you'll be really encouraged uh, by what God has to say to you through it. Because uh, Philippians is a message of encouragement when life is hard. Uh, Paul uh, writes to the Philippian church uh, from a jail cell. It probably didn't look like this. It probably looked potentially similar to this. Uh, he wrote from jail, uh, full of encouragement uh, for this church uh, that he'd been a part of planting you see, uh, Paul in his missionary journeys, as he set out, he had plans to reach certain parts of the world. And Paul, uh, one night in a dream, had a man from Macedonia come to him. And this man from Macedonia uh, cried out, come and save us. And so Paul changed track. Instead of heading north, he headed west. And as he headed west, uh, he came uh, to uh, where we're going to hear Philippi. Uh, this morning. So Philippi was a, a town, like a hub, a, a Roman town in Macedonia. It was a, a high traffic route. Uh, it was full of your, uh, your artists, your uh, elite political people, uh, your traders. It, it was a very popular city. And so Paul comes into the city with his mate Silas, and God leads him to a group of women. And the starting of this Philippian church, in many ways, is a very unlikely success story. See, the first person uh, that was part of this Philippian church is Lydia. Uh, I hope you like this depiction of Lydia. She was a seller of purple cloth. <laughs> she came from Thyatira, which was known for its leatherwork and its material dyeing. And she would have been a really wealthy person. She, imagine her as a, as a kind of fashionista. Uh, she was a, a leader of a large 
household. She had a successful business, and she was meeting with a group of ladies by the river. And as they sat and they met and they talked, uh, Paul came to them as led by God and said, let me tell you about this God that uh, you don't know anything about that you're talking about. See, uh, she was a God-fearing woman. What, what does that mean? She, she wasn't Jewish. Uh, she, she definitely wasn't Christian. Uh, she believed that there was a God. And she wanted to be connected to that God. And so Paul says, let me connect you to him. The way to know him is through his son. He lived and he died. His name is Jesus. Uh, do you want to follow Jesus because he's your way to know God? And she says, yes. And she's baptized in the whole of her house is uh, baptized, filled with the Spirit, and the church is, is birthed uh, with a household. Now, it just didn't start with her. It's, it's an unlikely success story, I'm telling you. The, the next person in this list is a, a demon-possessed slave girl. Uh, Paul's wandering down the street, and he hears this little voice behind him saying, uh, these men are sons of the, the Most High are here to tell you the way of salvation. Here is a representative of the Lord Most High, here to tell you the way of salvation. She, she's pestering Paul. And so eventually Paul turns around and goes, come out. And the demon that was inside of her evacuates her body. And suddenly this slave girl is set free. The reality for her is she used to be able to prophesy the future. Uh, she was a slave to her master because she made money for her master telling people's fortunes. Suddenly she was useless to her master and she was uh, cast off by her master to become a part of the, the church. In that moment of being delivered of a demon, she received the salvation that came to her in Jesus. So she's part of the church, the next member. Now Paul and Silas uh, weren't very liked by this guy that was making a lot of money. And so the guy making a lot of money had a bit of a word to the, the officials, said, these guys, Paul and Silas, they're stirring up the whole town. Uh, you've got to do something about them. So Paul and Silas are locked up. And here we meet uh, the third character in this unlikely success story. You see, uh, they're locked up by this uh, Philippian jailer who liked to beat people for a living. He was a brute. Uh, if he was asked to imprison people, he went above things. And so he brings Paul and Silas, and he doesn't just put them in jail, he puts them in stocks. Uh, I don't know if you know what stocks are. It's where your, your hands and your head are kind of stuck in this uncomfortable position, and you're put on display as a, as a troublemaker, a taunted thing thrown at you. Uh, they were in the stocks. Now, I'm not sure what you'd be doing uh, if you were stuck in stocks. Uh, I know I'd probably be complaining and feeling pretty sorry for myself. Guess what Paul and Silas are doing? They decide, you know, in the middle of the night, not even in front of people, in the middle of the night, let's, let's keep singing praises to God. And says so they're praying and praising God, the, in a moment the shackles break off, uh, the jail cell doors fling open, and the jailer is woken from his slumber by the, the sound of all these chains falling off and the doors opening up, and he comes in. And he's about to thrust a sword through his body because he thinks his life is over because his job, he's failed at his job. And Paul says, don't worry, we're, we're, we're all still here. And he says, who is this God? Who is this God that you follow? And he comes to faith 
in Jesus and all of his household and becomes part of this Philippian church that is birthed in this region of Macedonia. They're an unlikely success story. I don't know about you, but if I was picking the people to start a church, I would not pick the fashionista, the slave girl, uh, who's seen to be crazy by anyone because she, she wandered the street as a demon-possessed slave girl, uh, and the jailer, the guy that used to beat people up for a living. Would you pick those people? I, I wouldn't pick those people. Now, Paul writes to uh, the Philippian church 15 years on. It's been a while. They've had an opportunity to fail, and actually... They've succeeded. If you want to open your Bible, we're looking at Philippians on page 953. There should be a Bible around you. Uh, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. So they introduce uh, who's communicating to them. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. Uh, the, I don't know 100% the structure of the church back then, but generally to have a bishop, you need multiple churches. So there was multiple households likely meeting together. So a household of maybe 50, 60, 100 people were meeting in one place, but then there was households in other places. And if there was multiple bishops, there was likely quite a few house churches going on in this region of Macedonia around Philippi. And so Paul greets them, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's so encouraged that the, the church that is born from these unlikely people is successful. This is no doubt the, not the first time he's written to them, but he, he writes to them in order to encourage them. And, and he says, I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you. See, Paul carries the heart that all Christians should carry, that heart to, to see people saved. And, and when you see someone come to faith in Jesus, they're alive, they're full of life, they've understood salvation for the first time. It's a beautiful thing, an infectious thing to watch. But it's not only good to see people come to faith, it's so good to see people grow up in faith. And so Paul is full of joy at this story of the Philippian church that is an unlikely success story. So he's been praying for them uh, uh, because of their sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. And he says this, verse 6, I'm confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think these things because I hold all of you in my heart. See, Paul has been given this ongoing heart to care for the Philippian church, to ensure its health. And he knows that he has it on his heart because God has put the church on his heart. He knows that they need encouragement. And uh, when you get encouragement from someone who knows how to find joy in the middle of jail, you know you're going to the, the right source. See, he is praying for them. He's wanting to encourage them. And he says this, I'm confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion. The, the one who began to work in uh, people that in many ways will be difficult to redeem. The, the person that's in the middle of society that has all the money, all the friends, everything she ever needed. That's pretty hard to, to give up that, that way of living, to follow Jesus and suddenly to, to live a way that 
honors Jesus and builds his church, to be rejected by the people that are your customers, for them to choose a different merchant because you've chosen Jesus, uh, it would have been much easier for her to not continue in faith. For the slave girl, someone that's grown up possessed by a demon is in many ways not going to be in their right mind. You, you look at someone who is mentally unsound and you, and you wonder, do, do they ever have hope for a normality of life? You, you wouldn't pick that person to be part of your church. And yet God has continued this work that he began in her. I would, I would have loved to hear the whole story of her life, the way salvation had worked out for her. We, we don't get that. That's one of those questions that you can ask Jesus in heaven. The jailer, the guy whose natural reaction when someone annoyed him was to punch them in the face, to lock them up, you wouldn't pick him. God did. And God will complete what he began in someone like him. I wonder if you see yourself in that story, the, the unlikely person that God has picked, that he will complete the good work that he has begun in you. I wonder if you look at our church, because this letter is written not just to individuals. We like to read the Bible as written into individuals, but it's written to a church. I wonder if you think of our church in that context. Well, when you look at our church, uh, uh, for us uh, to move forward now, we would be considered an unlikely success story. From the 1980s to now, decline has been consistent. To turn around a declining uh, business organisation is difficult enough. To, to turn around a declining church is d more difficult than that. In many ways, for us as a church, this is a critical year. It's a critical year because uh, we need to see God bring turnaround to us. The size that we're at at the moment, uh, there's not only a, been a decline since the 1980s in terms of um, people, there's been a decline in terms of finances. Uh, the, the way we run at the moment, we're not financially sustainable for the next 10 years. We, we're very propped up by many generous people. But we as a, as a church want to see God continue to work in uh, Bourne, beyond Bourne, uh, through us. And so in many ways, we're an unlikely success story. But it says here, I'm confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Christ. Uh, whether we're here or somewhere else, uh, God's work is among the people. He wants to work in you and in me to bring us as a completed work to draw us to who we're fully called to be in Jesus Christ. And he says, it's right for me to think this and to hold you in my heart. And he says this because of the midway through verse 7, for all of you sharing God's grace with me, that is, if grace is at work in you, God will bring it to completion. All of you share God's grace with you, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. So as we share a priority uh, with Paul. We share the priority of the church, the priority that has been a priority for ages. 
So what, why is this a, a critical year for us? We as a church need to rediscover the priority of the gospel. That is, we are called together not so that we can feel good about ourselves, but so that we can do the work of making disciples, seeing people come to faith in Jesus and grow in faith in Jesus. Now, when God greets us at the end of our lives, the, the work that he's given us is the same work that he gave to the Philippian church. That is, uh, my kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, make disciples, bring them into the kingdom, that the kingdom will grow. Hasn't, hasn't changed. I think we sometimes forget that mission. Uh, and so Paul uh, longs for, the, for God to work in them. He shares Jesus' heart for the church. And he prays this prayer. This is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight. Uh, for, for many years, uh, as a church, this is not unique to us, uh, we've kind of seen our society as a Christian society, and so we look out and there's not people to make disciples of. So our, our role is to grow in knowledge and insight. And, and so uh, for many years, the, the church has been filled with Ministers who are good teachers, so people can grow in knowledge and insight into the scripture. But the, the knowledge and insight that is kind of built in this place is never carried out to the places beyond, to the people playing soccer or whatever they're doing out on the courts out there. Uh, but the, we're in a critical moment for the church, not just our church, in which the, the church needs to begin to look with fresh eyes out there and see that as the mission field that God has called us to. Uh, it's not knowledge and insight for the sake of knowledge and insight, verse 10, to help you determine what is best so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless. So we're filled with knowledge and insight as we read scripture, as we're taught, as the Holy Spirit leads us into truth, that we may know what is best, that at the day that Jesus returns we will be pure and blameless. Well, quite often when we talk about sin, we, we talk about the wrong things that you've done. Uh, you've said this, you've done this, you've acted this way. That's sinful. We talk about that. But there's also, and you may have noticed it in the, the prayer of confession that we prayed, there's also the, the element of confession that looks like this. Uh, we've broken holy laws and have left undone what we ought to have done. You see, sin's not just about us uh, doing the right thing all the time. It's learning to understand what is best for us. And as we're led by God to understand what's best for us, when we don't do the best that God calls us to, then we actually fall short of his glorious plan for us. We sin. To sin means to fall short of God's plan for us. And so it says this funny thing here. Well, we want to be uh, pure and blameless on the day of Christ. But I thought the blood of Jesus covered all my sin. Well, well it does. But when Jesus returns, there will be a, a, a judgment that is for the church, not a judgment that is about your eternity. Your eternity is secure because of what Jesus has done, but a judgment to what you've done in this life with what you have. What you've done in this life with what you have in your hands. Uh, what you've done in this life with what God's put before you. And so when we shrink back from the best that Jesus calls us to, 
There is a judgment that comes for that, where we're held to account. And in that day, Paul's encouraging them that as you're filled with knowledge and insight, you'll know the best. And he's confident in them that they will do the best. Uh, you may have got an email from me. Uh, if you haven't, uh, joined our email list. Uh, if you're not on email, there's also a printed copy of most of what I sent through. As a parish council, we've made some plans. We've had some thoughts as to how we can build community. The, the last year has been very much disrupted and we haven't been able to do the things we wanted and the things that we wanted have been disrupted. Uh, we're positioned now to, to actually begin to choose some things and to develop some momentum. Uh, we're assured there, there may not be... May, I'm already saying may. There won't be any more lockdowns, but... I'm not sure. What we need to do is we need to find the what's best that God is calling us to do. When I sent this out, I was really hesitant of giving it a title, What's On? Because in the title, What's On? It's almost like a pick list that you go, I really feel like doing that. And I don't really feel like doing that. And it almost becomes a list that you go, "Uh, I'm just going to turn up to church. I'm not going to take part in that. So I was hesitant about the title, which is why I put a bit of an introduction, some context there for you. I don't want you to come to everything on that list. But we as a church, one of the key things that we need to do is build community. Community is not just meeting on Sunday. Community is about sharing life together. Now, I know life is busy for everyone and that everyone can't do everything on that list, but I know there's something on that list uh, there, there's, there's something in terms of we can eat together. Uh, for, for many of you, I'm going to be encouraging you to join uh, the, the Bible studies that, that are going to be happening through the week. Uh, one of the key ways uh, we grow together is in sharing life together. One of the key ways we do that is over, over food and over studying uh, scripture, growing knowledge and insight, encouraging, praying for each other. I want you to, to be praying God, what, what is your best for me? In this season of life, according to my capacity, according to my time, what can I invest in in order to help our church be an unlikely success story? How can I be part of God's success story here at St. Barnabas? What, what is he calling me to do? Maybe it's uh, he's calling you to be uh, part of a children's ministry. Maybe he's calling you to just be part of uh, hospitality and, and food. Maybe he's calling you to, to join the for one hour. One hour. I'm sure you can find an hour <laughs> from 7.30 to 8.30 to study the Bible over Zoom to connect uh, just as a trial. Just do it as a trial. Uh, maybe he's calling you to be part of music. Our music team, as I've said already, is in need of rebuilding. Maybe that's your thing. How's uh, God calling you to be part of our church uh, seen an unlikely success story unfold. You see, God doesn't want us to do everything. The mark of our life isn't that we do everything before us. It's that we find what he wants us to do and do that. Find the best before us, uh, the best that you can do in your workplace to serve him in that place, the best you can do in your community connections through sport, the best that you can do in that place so that you can serve him there. The best that you can do as we gather 
as God's people, St. Barnabas here, and as we all seek his best for us, his church will grow. I'm confident of that. As we all take on his mission for us, I'm confident that his church will grow. You see, when he writes, he's, he's saying this, I'm confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you, not just you individually, use all, began a work amongst use all, will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. So that the one who began a work will bring it to completion. So does that mean I just sit back in front of Netflix and go, hurry up God and change me? No, if, if you're watching Netflix, uh, that's probably changing you. But you're possibly not partnering with what God has for you in terms of his best for you. See, this God will complete a good work that he began is about us humbly submitting ourselves to the best that he has for us. Making those tougher choices. I know, I know at the moment for most of us, uh, it, well, maybe you're, you're different, uh, the, the last month and a bit has been exhausting, if not <laughs> the, the last years before that. And so we find us in this place of going, I need to do just what's best for me, or I can barely do what I just have to do, rather than even thinking about what's best for me. We find ourselves in this really awkward place, and the easy thing for all of us to do is to just go, I'm just going to wait it out. Well, unfortunately, if we wait it out together, we won't be a, a success story. But I don't want you to feel burdened. I don't want you to feel guilty. I don't want you to feel like you have to do everything. Uh, thanks to those who, who joined us for the Working Bee. That's one of our rhythms as a church we're doing. Thanks to those who joined us yesterday. I said it to a number of people. I, I don't want you to cover off everything today because I don't want everyone to think that there's nothing to do. Because all of us have a part to play. All of us have gifts to, to give. And when all of us take our part in the body of Christ, we function and flow well together. Now, that doesn't mean it's not hard. That doesn't mean that uh, as we pursue it, as you choose God's best for you, do you know that you actually have an enemy of the soul that is going to come against you and tempt you, lead you, uh, attract you to what is not God's best for you. So as we're trying to build community here, do you know the easiest way that the enemy works? Uh, we gather, we have lunch. Oh, I can't believe they never help clean up. Oh, I, I, I can't, this person never does that. Oh, they're so annoying. Do I have to sit on the same? Do you know how the, the enemy is going to come against us to bring division amongst us that we won't want to hang around us. And so when that happens, I'm giving you a heads up. So in that moment, you, you have that thought. Okay, that's probably not necessarily your thought. It's come from the enemy. Your choice is what do I do with that thought? Okay, we, we have a purpose. We're trying to build something here. We're trying to be part of God's success story. I'm going to park that and I'm going to think God's best of other people. So when we're called to God's best, it's not just we do the best, it's that we seek the best for each other. And as we seek the best ourselves in what we contribute, 
as we seek the best for each other, as together we gather and seek God's best for us, I believe we'll see a success story here at St Barnabas. The easiest option uh, for all of us is to, to go away and to think it's too hard. But I believe that the message that, that, that God wants us to hear this morning is this. We've got this. Not you and me, you and me and him. We've got this. And as we partner together with him, we've got this. He's got us. We've got him. He lives in us. He, him in us is the hope of glory. And as we partner with his work among us, We've got this. Don't be discouraged by the, the challenge in front of you. Think of Paul in stocks, singing out praises to God. And think of the one who is able to break chains, uh, open prison doors, change us, and help us to reach, uh, in many ways, a community that doesn't think we've got anything to offer. But we know the one that has brought salvation to us. We know the one who wants to bring salvation to the world around us. And as we submit to God's best, that is exactly what God is going to happen. So will you pray with me? And will you pray that as we look around now, we see the people that we're gathering. In a year, we look around and see new people, part of God's success story, not that we're growing in numbers, but that lives are being changed. I don't care about numbers. If, if I see the same people sitting here next year at the same time, but all of you having grown in faith, that's a success story to me. But the natural product of that we read at the end of Philippians is this, at the end of Philippians 1. He's going to produce a harvest. So the day of Christ, we're presented before him, pure and blameless, because we've chosen the what's best. Having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. That, that is not uh, a harvest just of people. It's uh, Righteousness is, is about the, the character and work of God being multiplied on this earth. So a, a harvest of God's work that can only come through Jesus Christ, that is the fruit of the Spirit produced in you and in others multiplied across this earth, that many people are saved, that many people are in right standing with God. So this is Paul's prayer for them, and this is my prayer for us. Let's pray. Father, you, what you've begun among us, we believe that you will complete. What you've begun in us, we believe that you will complete. Our Lord, as a, as a church, uh, we come before you and we recognize there's so much to do. So few people. So much challenge. Lord, it's so tempting for us as we look at challenge to, to choose what's easy. Lord, please fill us with your spirit that we would have the courage to be your best in this world. 
Help us to have the courage to choose uh, what we wouldn't always choose. Help us to have the courage to follow your best as you lead us in that best by your Spirit. Help us to see and understand. Uh, work in our hearts and minds to transform. Uh, give us the humility to, to follow together. Help us to love each other well. And Lord, as, as we look uh, across this year, to the years to come, Lord, we, we need you to work. We need you to change us, transform us, build us, grow us, release us, renew us, empower us by your Spirit. And so now, uh, as we come to a time of worship, we pray, fill us, strengthen us, encourage us as we commit our lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen.